You're listening to Think Health. My name is Shane Anderson. Can you hear me? I am delighted and honored to receive a special prize in fundamental physics. This is one of theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking's last speeches before he passed away. And it's pretty innocuous as far as final speeches go. But it's the last audio we have to remember someone who left an indelible mark on our cultural memory. When public figures die, they often become a symbol of the life they lived. Stephen Hawking was one of those people. Like most public figures, he meant different things to different people, abled and disabled. After his death in March this year, tributes have flowed in as people remember the Stephen Hawking that they knew, whether the prominent theoretical physicist who helped us better understand where we came from, or the wheelchair user who was only given a few years to live after his ALS diagnosis. One picture circulating after his death shows Stephen Hawking in the afterlife, stepping out of his wheelchair. It's a distinctive image, and a problematic one, not just because Stephen Hawking was an avowed atheist. It's problematic because the media tells a story about disability, and it's one of limitation, of suffering, and of inspiration. People with disabilities, even great intellectuals like Hawking, tend to end up being viewed through this ultimately narrow lens. This episode is about countering that narrative. You can hear different stories today from people with differing abilities reflecting on the way their lives are affected by this narrative. This is Think Health. This poem came out in Cordite um, in the Suburbia issue. It's called Curb Cut Cartography, and I'm just going to read a couple of stanzas from it. Corner Piper Street South and Trafalgar Street. The trailing end of November is filled with medical appointments followed by house parties hosted by mates who live around the corner from my doctor, whose practice is heritage listed, thus preventing her from putting in a ramp, unlike my mates who are prevented from putting in a ramp by their landlord who explains that complying with the Disability Discrimination Act of 1992 would be a source of unjustifiable hardship. This is Robin Eames, writer, artist, and by their description in the seventh year of a four-year degree, currently writing a history thesis. I had a lecturer refuse to move a lecture theatre to an accessible room, um, so I had to kind of restructure my honours year because of that, which was quite frustrating because it's very much against the Disability Discrimination Act. Robin says it's barriers like these, rather than the wheelchair, that makes it harder for them to finish their degree. This is called ableism. 
since about the the 70s there've been a lot of academic discussions about what was formerly called handicapism and now we call ableism you know the authorities and structures and physical environment as well as people's attitudes all kind of contribute to what people call the social model of disability which is the idea that rather than the medical model of disability which is sort of based on like individual medical deficits the social model suggests that rather than being disabled by our bodies we're disabled by society that isn't being built to accommodate our bodies so for me as a wheelchair user i'm not disabled by the fact that i have limited mobility as by the fact that the the built environment around me is not built with curb cuts is not built with ramps is not built with elevators this is where Stephen Hawking comes in. In a way, Hawking's public status transcended the social model of disability. And for Robin, this has been a double-edged sword. He is a really interesting figure because for you know, the last several decades, he's been simultaneously like a huge role model for disabled people and wheelchair users, particularly in academia, but also is someone who's kind of been used as a weapon against a lot of disabled people in the sense of like, oh, see, like if someone with support needs as high as Stephen Hawking's support needs can can achieve that much, then you have no excuse and, you know, anyone can do anything, which is a bit silly because like he got his degree and doctorate while he was still abled and had not yet been diagnosed with ALS. How does someone be both a role model and a weapon at the same time? Um, ask abled people. That's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> Well, their fault, I should say, society at large, because the the way that disability is framed in the media is kind of predicated on this idea of like individual tragedy and individual overcoming circumstances, as opposed to sort of a system of infrastructural marginalisation. Robin has been using a wheelchair for a few years now, and they say the difference has been life changing. It's an amazing amount of freedom and independence that I didn't have before. I guess the narrative that you hear in the media is that people are bound to a wheelchair, but by your description, the wheelchair has been amazing. Yeah, and that's obviously not the case for everyone, but for the majority of other wheelchair users I know, it's very much the wheelchair is the difference between being stuck at home or being stuck in bed and being able to get out and access the world. It is a bit frustrating to to see people using the phrase wheelchair-bound because it's a bit silly, it's inaccurate, it perpetuates sort of harmful stereotypes that mean that people are reluctant to start using a wheelchair even when they need to and when it would make a really huge difference to their life because they see the wheelchair as something bad and something to escape. Physicist Stephen Hawking has died aged 76, a spokesman for his family has announced. Hawking was confined for most of his life to a wheelchair. Diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease as a young man, he was confined to a wheelchair and spoke through a computer. The visionary scientist, helpless in his high-tech wheelchair, who nonetheless transformed our view of the universe. When you've got a character like Hawkins, who is brilliant um, under a whole series of criteria, that makes things appear better than it is. This is Simon Darcy, Professor of Management at the UTS Business School. I do all things social inclusion. 
So Hawkins in his position is extraordinary and transverses uh, the world of disability and academia. Yet if you spoke to Hawkins, you would find that he had to go through a series of uh, changes within the institutions, etc., as he became more and more disabled over his uh, lifespan. Simon says ableism works the same way as racism or sexism does. In that those who have privilege exert that privilege without understanding the consequences of that privilege. That's where, you know, in a legal sense, discrimination comes in. So we know um, under the Australian Human Rights Commission, disability discrimination is 40-odd percent of all complaint cases. But according to Simon, these structural disadvantages are missing from stories about disability. You've got this dichotomy about the way people are represented. There's disability as the, the shame of disability, welfare cheats, people on the disability support pension sucking the life out of the rest of the community, or at the moment with sport, the super superman inspiration of, well, we can do anything as long as we try hard. And there's not a lot in between. This lack of diversity in the media doesn't just make for boring TV. It affects Robin's day-to-day. Total strangers come up to me and tell me I'm brave, and I'm just like, I'm at a party, I'm not, I'm drunk, I'm not brave. Like, <laughs> or, like, as well, like, something that a lot of wheelchair users get is, like, just total strangers coming up to us and being like, oh, you know, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I'd kill myself if I had to be wheelchair-bound. And we're just like, wow, that's, wow. It's, like, 9am on a Saturday and I did not need to hear that. Like... <laughs> After the break, you're going to hear how people with disabilities are working to change this narrative. The Me Too movement has challenged the way gender is portrayed in the media. But there's another marginalised group still waiting to be heard. Welcome back to Think Health, where we're taking a closer look at the way the media portrays disability, something that was on full display last month as the world mourned the loss of theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking. These problematic portrayals of people bound to wheelchairs and of inspirational narratives, they all form a part of a history of abled people projecting stereotypes onto the disabled community. It comes from a lack of disabled voices in the media, but that's starting to change. So my name's, uh, my name's Phineas Meir. Um, I, I, I identify as a person with a disability and also a disability advocate or activist. Uh, probably, probably is a better choice of words. So what, what does it mean to be a disability activist? It's important to point out that people with disabilities are activists. It's part of, it's a daily thing. I mean, with, with the amount of discrimination people face, it's, it's, it's a daily thing in ter- terms of just being able to live a good quality of life and making sure that you have the supports that you need. You really do need to... Um, be, a, be an activist 
not only for other people but yourself. But while he was at uni, Finn found himself in a position where he could speak out. I did a、uh, journalism degree at a uni down here, and then thought to myself as I was doing that, why I'm not hearing many disabled voices on the radio. What am I? What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah, why don't I do something? And I never knew how to go about it until one. One day, I chanced upon a group of people who were、uh, starting up a, a sort of media production sort of company. The production company was Disability Media Australia, and their flagship program was a TV show spanning 14 seasons on community television. It's called No Limits. My name is Elvira Alec, and tonight. I'm with the man, with all the finesse, Mr. Phineas Muir, and we're at the Collingwood Town Hall in front of a live studio audience. I prefer Devonair, but never mind. Devonair. <laughs> I have a, I I have a visual impairment, and so sometimes I find it, found it difficult to actually focus on the camera. So sometimes I would, sometimes I would, I'd look disinterested. Where in actual fact. I was interested. I just was having trouble focusing on the cam- camera or focusing on the person that I was talking to, and so、um, that. And so, I suppose the program showed disability in all its kind of glory and all its all its foibles as well. So, I get, guess that's a, that's just a, another small thing to consider. I suppose. The show was also good at making sure that disability was was covered from、uh, every angle. If that's not an ironic statement, considering what I was just talking about, Finn hosted No Limits from 2010 to 2013, and the show won a Human Rights Award during that time. Finn reckons the best part about being on the show was a sense of camaraderie, which launched careers like the late comedian and activist Stella Young. You know, I hope that people did、um, get something out of seeing it. I still get people today saying, "Oh, I saw you on TV. That's that's great." But it's very difficult to. It is very difficult to know exactly on what level people are people are viewing you. You can only hope that they're viewing you through a lens of, "Well, these are people with disabilities telling their own stories," rather than these are people with disabilities. Being, being inspirational and you know having having a having a go. You did get people saying, "Oh, it's great you're having a go, and you you get you're getting out there." I suppose we would, you know, where ultimately you'd like to be judged on in the context of doing a media production or or being involved in the media. You'd like to be you'd like to be congratulated for doing a good. Doing a good show, or for for producing a good product, not necessarily for just getting out there and having a, having a crack. This is also something Simon, in his professional life as a university lecturer, experiences: people putting the disability first. Most of the time, in a university environment, I'm not talking about disability. I'm lecturing you know, quantitative research methods, or looking at cultural venues, and I'm just that you know bastard of a lecturer that gives bad marks. 
rather than uh, you know the wheelchair lecturer. And so the focus on the person and what they do, and in certain contexts like now, I'm talking about disability uh, relations. So it shouldn't come into play unless it is part of the context. Yet for many people, it still ends up in the foreground. One of the issues Simon researches on is employment discrimination. And he says it's a familiar story for people to stop hearing from a potential employer once they find out the applicant has a disability. And my advice to people is never disclose your disability until you uh, have to or, or it becomes relevant. One of the things that came up is there have been a lot of artistic representations of Stephen Hawking kind of standing up from his wheelchair or walking away from his wheelchair and a lot of people saying things like, oh, now he's like free of pain, implying that death is a release from pain for disabled people. is something that a lot of people don't even realise can be harmful, but that hopefully is sort of relatively easy to figure out how it can be harmful if you think about it for like think about it. (laughs) After Hawking's death, Robin took to Twitter to point out the flaws in some of the coverage. There's quite a a body of disabled activists on Twitter, in part because, like, for a lot of people who find it hard to get out of the house, like, online media is a good meeting point. An editor from the media website Junkie saw Robin's Twitter thread and asked him to elaborate in an article. One of the things I said in the article was that I don't go around describing bipeds as being chained to their shoes because someone described Stephen Hawking as being chained to his wheelchair. And it's like, where are the chains? There are no chains. Like, maybe he wore a seatbelt. <laughs> like, that's it. I did find that there were a couple of really funny responses to the article. One person was like, oh, I don't, I don't agree with this. Like, how could they know? And I was like, wow, it's almost like... I am a wheelchair user, and you would know that if you'd read the article. And then someone else was like, oh, I mean, this is silly. Like, would you sit in a wheelchair if you had the choice? And I was like, yes, because I needed to leave my house. <laughs> like, What was it like for you reading those comments? What was going through your head? It was funny. I couldn't, like, you know, maybe on a different day I would have been, like, hurt or angry. Is it something you think about a lot? Um, I can't. I can't help but think about them because they're overwhelming and they're all over the place. It becomes a problem when the only stories that are written about disability are written about, written by abled people for abled people, starring abled actors pretending to be disabled people and never consulting us about like the kinds of stories we think are relevant or worth telling or useful or that might be dangerous or harmful or you know reinforcing harmful stereotypes. When it comes to reporting on disability, Robin says there's a simple rule. Nothing about us without us. Like, I think it's possible, but a lot more difficult for abled people to tell interesting, nuanced stories about disability than it is for disabled people to tell those stories about our own community and our own experiences. This has been Think Health. This show was supported by the University of Technology Sydney and 2SCR and broadcast right across Australia on the Community Radio Network. 
Big thank you to Elle Gibbs from People with Disability Australia, as well as the people featured in the show today, Robin Eames, Finn Meir and Simon Darcy, for your contributions and editorial guidance in this episode. Finn currently hosts the radio show The Boldness, and you can tune into it on Melbourne's 3CR radio or check it out online at 3cr.org.au. If you'd like to find out more information about this show or get in contact, you can head to 2scr.com slash thinkhealth. This show is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. You did hear a bit of Robin Eames' poetry earlier in the show, and I'm going to leave you with a reading now. My name is Shane Anderson. Thank you for listening. Poems with Disabilities by Jim Ferris. I'm sorry, this space is reserved for poems with disabilities. I know it's one of the best spaces in the book, but the Poems with Disabilities Act requires us to make all reasonable accommodations for poems that aren't normal. There is a nice space just a few pages over. In fact, don't tell anyone, I think it's better than this one. I myself prefer it. Actually, I don't see any of those poems right now myself, but you never know when one might show up, so we have to keep this space open. You can't always tell just from looking at them either. Sometimes they'll look just like a regular poem when they roll in. You're reading along and suddenly everything changes. The world tilts a little. Angle of vision jumps. Focus shifts. You remember your aunt died of cancer at just your age and maybe yesterday's twinge means something after all. Your sloppy, fragile heart beats a little faster. And then you know. You just know. And the poem is right where it belongs. <laughs>